Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, as uh, mentioned in the intro, we're going to be starting off here with another great panel discussion on Coach's Corner, and I'll introduce uh, both of the professionals that are joining me tonight uh, here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by uh, two special guests, actually, Mark uh, Lukenbill. He's the founder and CEO of Improve Sports. And also joining uh, him is Ann Dow Doe, who is uh, their head of uh, coaching and community. Uh, and you may recall she was on uh, here as a co-Evan Scholar of the Year uh, last season. So uh, she'll be joining, and she's now uh, involved with Improve Sports and Improve Golf. So they'll be joining us in a little bit later on. But first up, as I mentioned, we're going to be starting things off with Coach's Corner, and we've got a great discussion, but let me introduce both panelists, and then we'll get into the discussion of the evening. Uh, first up, of course, is John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and also the Honorary President of the North Florida PGA Section, and he's also the recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Professional Development Award, as well as the 2023 North Florida PGA Section Teacher and Coach of the Year. Uh, he's also a senior editor and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor and also part of the advisory staff for Golf Tips. Also rounding up the panel, of course, is Jamie Leno-Zimron. Uh, she's a Class A LPGA teach professional, a six-degree Aikido black belt, uh, somatic uh, psychologist, a corporate speaker, and mind-body fitness trainer, uh, graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Stanford University, and is also the creator of Kiai Golf and the Centered Way. So, John and Jamie, welcome to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Happy to Thanks, be here, Chad. Uh, yeah, glad to be with you, John. Nice to connect again. All right. Always happy to have uh, a couple of great professionals on the Coach's Corner panel segment, and uh, uh, you two are certainly uh, rank very highly uh, in favorability, certainly not only from the uh, host, but also the listeners as well. So I'm glad to have both of you joining tonight. All right, we're going to uh, talk about golf schools a little bit and uh, seven things to look for. So uh, if you're interested in golf school, what I mean by that is not just your typical instruction uh, or even necessarily group instruction, but if you're looking to attend a golf school, there's some things that you might need to know. And I'm going to be very particular about some things, so I just want to sort of caution the, the panelists tonight um, so that we don't sort of jump ahead of the discussion, is I'm going to be very specific in laying out what particular topic uh, in the qu uh, type of questions I'm going to be asking. So try not to sort of jump ahead if you, if you don't mind, uh, just so that we can uh, sort of stay on, on point. Um, 
and I'm going to start, to, if you don't mind, in the order that I introduced you guys, uh, not being John. Uh, first thing, one of the things I think is curriculum. And, you know, when we're looking for a, a golf school, for those of you that are out there that want to attend a golf school, uh, this is something that needs to obviously, uh, I think, first and foremost, uh, needs to be considered. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. What should the student be looking for as far as the curriculum uh, and to ensure that it matches up for their needs? Uh, go ahead, John. Sure. Thanks, Ted, for the opportunity again. Always a pleasure. Jamie, great to reconnect with you as well. Uh, as far as curriculum goes, what we're basically talking about is two things, the format in which you're going to receive the golf school content as well as the content. Uh, number one, is it a group setting, and is that something you're looking for? Maybe you're a little shy, a little embarrassed about where you may or may not be, and you want to share that experience with somebody. Maybe there's two or three of you that are trying to go to all the same place at the same time. There, there's a lot of different reasons to do the group school. For others, they may need a little bit more customization, a little bit more detail to the content, and they'll opt for a one-to-one -one or even bring a spouse or a fellow golfer with them and do a two-to-one. When it comes to curriculum, though, it's not only the format, it's content delivery and the content has a lot to do with what your needs are and if you have specific needs you should be seeking out a specific school that offers the specific content you're looking for for example if you're needing a lot of short game work and that's all you want to work on going to a golf school that only features short game as part of the agenda not all of the agenda may not be a good fit for you. You're looking for speed, distance. There are golf schools that specialize just in that. There are golf schools who do a lot of different things but will have special dates for that type of content. What I always suggest to the clients that come to my golf schools is really sit down and examine what your specific improvement needs are and as well as some budget, which I'm sure we'll get into later, and then make a determination which curriculum is going to be best for you. And I would tell people, not necessarily you get what you pay for, you're going to get more out of a one-to-one -one than a group if for the most part. But if that's something from a budget standpoint of view, you're just going to need to dig a little deeper for that because there's a lot of different options out there. Yeah, and there is so many other – there's a lot of variables, Jamie, when you're trying to piece something together like this. Um, you know, John really laid out a lot of the curriculum, but I think it boils down to two things. I'm going to ask you a different question, but if you want to add anything or, or expand on it, you're welcome to. Um, but I think it really boils down to doing your research. So let me just ask a quick question here uh, outside of the curriculum. If you want to add anything to it, by all means, go ahead before you answer your question and that is really instructor qualifications. That's another important factor as well. Uh, you know, it's not like just going for a, an individual lesson or even a couple of lessons. You're investing in many cases a lot more uh, financial resources to attend a school. So it's important to make sure you do your due diligence to find out who the person or persons involved in that school are. So that's your question is to sort of unpack uh, instructor qualifications, what they should be looking for, but also uh, if you want to add anything to the curriculum uh, conversation as well, 
uh, go ahead there first. Well, I think they dovetail in certain ways because, as you said, I think it's really important that people take some time to do due diligence and research uh, when they're looking for a golf school because it is a big investment uh, financially and time-wise. And, you know, people are pinning a lot of hopes <laughs> going to a golf school. It's like, I really want to improve, and you should know what it is you're looking to improve so that you can orient your choice of the school. Um, but, uh, you know, like I say, a lot of hopes are pinned on doing this intensive thing of a golf school. And um, what John had to say about, you know, what's the content and what are your needs? So getting those things matched up. In terms of the instructor's qualifications, people may think automatically that, you know, you're looking for someone who's won these or those tournaments or, you know, um, you know where did they play in college or have they played on tour or all this, this kind of stuff. And that can be important because a, a person, uh, an instructor's playing experience is certainly important. But I think even more important, or uh, at least so we say on a par, <laughs> if not more important than those things are, what is the instructor's orientation? Uh, how do they approach teaching? Are they very tech-minded? Are they into using a lot of technology? Are they, uh, in my case, for example, I'm very holistic-minded in my approach, and I include fitness. I include, include a whole kind of body-mind approach. If that's something you're looking for, sort of golf technique, um, golf technology, or those things and more, or within a, a kind of a, a larger context. So what the instructor's orientation is, what the instructor's passion is in teaching, and are they passionate about teaching itself? Because the whole matter of um, pedagogy, shall we say, teaching, how do you teach, how do you communicate? Do you match up your communication style with the individual students? Um, and uh, you know, these kinds of things are just as important as as a person's sort of um, playing history in terms of their qualifications. And I don't think people necessarily think about that enough. But that's where it's going to make a really big difference. And it's also the case that sometimes people are better teachers than they are actually players. And some players mm -hmm. may be terrific competitors and champions, but they don't have the pedagogical or teaching uh, expertise. So those things aren't always matched up, and I think that that's important for people to have in mind because, again, I just think that people go too often with looking at the actual golfing wins or credentials, and that may not necessarily be what's going to help them get the most from that instructor or that instructional staff at a golf school. That's a, you know, that's a really great point that you raise, Jamie, um, and, and, again, I'm not – you know, belittling anybody's uh, certifications or qualifications. But, you know, it, it's like a doctor. You can have, you know, 20 letters after your name, um, and certainly that means you're well-versed in a lot of topics. But, again, if you're not able to uh, perform some of the things or articulate some of the things that are necessary, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're better than a doctor that maybe only has a couple of letters after their name. And, and you're right. I think the communication, how the person learns, uh, back to the point really that's being made is you need to do your homework. Um, just because somebody's popular or well-known in the industry, uh, because there are a lot of um, you know coaches and, and, and whatnot out there who run golf schools or run uh, very similar type programs who never played on tour, never were strong players themselves, 
but have a very good understanding of the game and, and certainly from a teaching standpoint and are able to get that message across. So there is a lot of, I guess, as we said, due diligence that needs to go into both of those areas is what's being taught, how it's being taught, and by who it's being taught, and to be sure that the person or persons involved are getting those messages across that you need to receive in order to improve your game. So uh, I think that was a great point that you raised, and I think you you really uh, hit it on the head. Um, John, I'm going to come back to you on this. And this seems like a no-brainer, but uh, again, you have to, this part of the due diligence, and it's accommodations. What, what is being offered? Uh, it's another, when choosing a golf school, uh, what accommodations are they offering? You're paying out, um, you know, a, a lot of money in some cases. And, uh, you know, are you staying at the local Holiday Inn Express or are you, you know, going to a resort where they're offering? Um, so I think those factors have to be put in. And, again, obviously it refers to budget as well. Give me your thoughts on that um, and what you think, again, somebody should be considering when it comes to their lodging and what else should be included in that as well? Great question that really doesn't have a definitive answer because everybody's taste in accommodations is different. Uh, I, I conduct commuter schools for the most part for one simple reason. I don't have control over your accommodations experience. All I can do is if you're paying me for your accommodations, now all of a sudden I'm held responsible for your experience there, and I'm just not there to control that situation. So what I do with my golf school clients is provide them some recommendations of properties where I've stayed, number one, but more importantly, number two, I know the experience is at a level that meets my standards or exceeds my standards, which is typically in line with what, somebody who has a little bit bigger budget would want. But everybody has their own idea of what accommodations are, and it runs the gambit of, hey, I'm going to bring my travel trailer with me to where is the closest five-star hotel. I don't want the resort. I just want the hotel. And in the 20 – I've now been in the golf school business over 24 years, the requests and the – the ideas of what accommodations runs the full gambit. I think what you've got to do from a due diligence standpoint of view is, number one, what is your budget? Number two, if if accommodations are included with the golf school, what's the direct connection between the golf school and the accommodations? Is there one? Because the experience that you have at that accommodations obviously is being not, not even recommended. It's almost being mandated by that golf school. Do you have a choice of accommodations? Do you really have to take their accommodations, or can you pick your own? That's always, to me, a a critical point. And sometimes with with people, it's a budgetary point. But as far as also your due diligence, where are you in in regards to the location of the golf school? I've had so many people opt for a little bit cheaper Airbnb or a a little bit different type of branded hotel thinking what they were saving in cost was going to be far exceeding anything else. And they end up being not 15 minutes away, but an hour away due to the lack of investigation of traffic patterns, the lack of investigation Mm -hmm. of construction going on with roads. 
So it turns out right. to be an absolute disaster, even though you've done what you think to be correct for your budget, spending <clears throat> the extra couple of dollars getting you a little closer may have been just a little bit more convenient, which leads to the last point I'd share with people. When you're talking about accommodations, it's not only about what you expect as, as far as comfort level. It is about convenience. At the end of a golf school day, you are going to be fatigued. And being able to go to a place that's conveniently located, that is comfortable, is by far the most important thing based on what you believe to be your standard. And you've got to stay within that because I've seen some golf schools go fantastic until someone goes back to their accommodations and the experience there was soured. Uh, and that's right. why I try to stay out of it. As an operator, It's I'd rather you choose it. This way you, I can be the shoulder you cry on and then provide you some some help if you decide to come back or you got to make that change in the middle. doesn't happen often. It's probably happened two or three times in the 24 years I've been in the business doing it. But the real key there is what is what's your par level? Stay within it, look for convenience, and make sure that it's comfortable for you. Yeah, well said. And, and you know, I think as far as accommodations are concerned, obviously a number of resorts uh, have schools available through there, so they're obviously wanting to have people stay at the resort and, and have an overall experience in addition to the golf instruction that's being offered through the schools. Um, but I think it's important to, again, I hate to keep throwing this phrase out there, but do your due diligence. You know, look for reviews. See what other people are saying about those accommodations. And if there are options of offering uh, as you said, through recommendations or uh, other locations, you know, make sure that you, you investigate to see where are they located in relation to where you're going to the school so that you're not, as you said, getting stuck in, in difficult traffic patterns and things, and especially when you're tired at the end of the day and now you've got to you know, battle rush hour traffic or something to get back to, uh, you know, to your bed basically or, or what have you. Um, and also you want to look at, at what uh, – uh, food and things like that are being offered. Those are, need to be considered as well. If you're not going to a resort and you're staying, you want to make sure that the accommodations are going to be in an area that have a lot of uh, food options, uh, you know, restaurants and things like that and, and other, um, uh, you know, uh, amenities that could be offered outside uh, of a typical resort. Um, Jamie, look, you know, we always say location, location, location. Um, that is something that also has to be uh, considered uh, obviously golf schools nowadays are offered uh, virtually everywhere in all corners uh, of the country um, but I think there's a few factors that might need to be considered um, obviously climate is one depending on on the time of year that you're going um, but also depending on where you uh, are from I mean if you're someone that's out in the west coast and you're playing in more like a desert conditions or cooler climate um, you may not necessarily want to go to, uh, for instance, Florida and have it, uh, and I'm not knocking Florida, obviously they've got some phenomenal schools, but it's a different game that you're playing uh, in that climate than what you are maybe if you're in Arizona or something like that, or vice versa. So I think you want to find a school, it's nice to go and travel, but maybe you want to find a school that best represents the type of play you're going to be involved in. What are your, what are your thoughts here as far as locations? Well, that's a really good point um, because 
somebody may be interested, for example, in learning how to play Lynx golf, how do you play certain shots at, um, in a uh, Lynx situation, or maybe having golf courses, for example, on the West Coast are certainly quite different from the East Coast in terms of more open um, you know, less, uh, like on the East Coast, it's got a lot narrow fairways, more woods, trees, you know, coming in. And, uh, you know, it's a lot different on the West Coast. So I think that that is something that people need to um, take into consideration. Obviously, the climate and the budget in terms of travel and, and accommodations, but it's also what kind of golf do you want to play or are you just kind of wanting to, generically work on your swing or certain types of, um, of shots? Are you wanting to practice those things on certain kinds of grass or in certain kinds of conditions? So I think people need to think about that and not just kind of show up and go, oh, I, I didn't think about that. You know, what are my real needs or what is it that I'm looking for mm. uh, in my game? So, um, yeah, so I think that those are really important considerations. Um, something else in terms of, like, location some of my favorite golf schools that I've run and been part of have been where I guess you could call it more of a resort situation, but not necessarily a very, you know, fancy um, or expensive one, right. but one where there, where, you know, there can be um, kind of a community building experience. And what I mean is that mm-hmm. there are, there's a, a, you know, nice enough, and I call it good enough. Like uh, psychologists talk about good enough mothering, you know, <laughs> you got good enough accommodations, um, you're comfortable, it's nice, uh, it's close, and people's rooms are somewhat near each other. Maybe you're eating together um, in the same dining room, um, and you can walk pretty much or just ride a golf court, uh, cart over to the practice area. Is there a golf course there? Personally, I like to have the practice area and the golf course all available um, because I like to do, you know, um, putting green, chipping green, and range work, as well as uh, some indoor sessions where we're working on some things indoors, and then also be able to get out and play. So you're probably going to talk, um, maybe, I don't want to get ahead there, but I think that if you can have accommodations, uh, eating, and practice, and also getting out to play all in one, and there certainly are those kinds of, of places um, where golf schools are, are held. For me, that's something as an instructor and as a participant, I think that I think is important because it is. It's nice to be having a bonded experience with the other people in the school and with the instructors. Um, and again, you know, yeah, that's just all all a factor as well. But personally, those have been for me the most successful golf schools. They've been the best time. Um, and people just have so much fun, have such a good time, feel really connected, and they're right there at the golf course. Um, so they're just kind of it's, – it's a real immersion, a golf immersion experience, shall we say. Yeah, and that's, a, that's an excellent point as well. I mean, you know, there's a lot of what you might refer to um, and more intimate experiences, really what you're getting at. I mean, uh, again, some mm-hmm. of the larger resorts where they might have – um, you know, four golf courses available and that are, are certainly fine and certainly in, incredible facilities, um, but they tend to be busier and, and, you know, even though you're there with with a group perhaps, um, and, and if you like that, then that's great. But if you're looking for a more intimate where certainly you have the amenities that are uh, many of the larger resorts have, but it's, uh, again, a scaled-down version, meaning that there's not as many people there, 
Uh, it's more private, um, but again, it's still very affordable. I know there's a lot of those up in the Arizona area, uh, for instance, and California. There's some as well uh, in, in other areas out mm-hmm. in the West, and there certainly is some here in the East Coast as well. So, yeah, it, I think sometimes, uh, and again, it can be very, very reasonable, again, depending on what budget you're looking for, but sometimes that's a great experience in itself is you're, you're, you're kind of having a feel of that sort of resort, but at the same time, uh, you also kind of feel like there's a more of an intimate connection as well with, with the others uh, there and the facility as well. It's kind of, you know, like a home away from home as opposed to feeling like you're part of a, uh, a big community. So sometimes that's a great thing as well. Um, so it's a great point there. Um, definitely yeah, something to be I, considered. I think, those are, I think you mentioned the two really operative words. and One is intimate and the other is affordable. And for me, at least personally, maybe it's a personal preference, but I, I find that most people really seem to get the most out of their, their golf school experience when it's been an intimate, connected experience and affordable is nice too. Yeah, again, well said. Um, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about price. Uh, we're not going to get into the actual numbers, but John, um, this is something, you know, obviously was alluded to a little bit earlier on. So this is something considering the price of, the, of tuition, if you will, um, we want to make sure that we're finding it up there. Uh, obviously, maybe they're offering some discounts, that sort of thing, um, you know, for multiple sessions and also for bringing along friends and family members. Uh, you know, that, that's something that is now more um, uh, aggressively pursued by a lot of these organizations and schools and whatnot because, obviously, of competition. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. I mean, obviously, we have to find what works with our budget, uh, but what are some things that we need to consider in the price? What do we want to make sure that uh, is included? Uh, or if uh, somebody has a, a more robust wallet, um, maybe something that offers a little bit of a la carte. What are your thoughts? I think you got your mute on. Yes, I did. Sorry about that. The first thing you've Sorry. got to do with uh, with as far as price and affordability and such is all the previous questions are the checklist, the things that you do your due diligence on, and you come up with a budget and try to fit all these things in related to what kind of experience you want to have, intimate one-to-one, uh, small resort, large resort, proximity, do I want to travel across the country, Uh, all those things you've got to put into a factor and then start looking at your budget. And you said the operative word, what is included? You have got to be able to understand exactly what's included and the company that you're dealing with or the individual you're dealing with should be totally transparent as to what's included I am with every one of my clientele, and I give it to them verbally a couple of times. I give it to them in in writing with email a couple of times. And it's not big and bold, but it's not the small print either. Check out the small print. A lot of times you think something's going to be included, such as gratuities. And this is something that a lot of golf school students ask about. Should my instructor, should I provide my instructor a gratuity? Check the small print. Maybe it's included within the rate. Maybe it will say in the small print, hey, the instructor appreciates it or they expect it or what have you. 
Now, all of a sudden, it's not about a la carte. It's about being nickeled and dimed is the phrase that a lot of people use. So I'm always counseling my clients, hey, I'm all inclusive. This, this is what it includes. You don't have to worry about anything extra, which puts a lot of people at ease. I think it puts most people at ease at any price point, whether expensive or inexpensive. When it comes to affordability, in that entire checklist I previously spoke about, think about what that, I call it a a value proposition. Think about that value that you're going to spend, not only in money, but in time. And is that something that in your mind is equivalent to another experience you've had? Because at the end of the day, I love that Jamie used the term experience. That's exactly what you're doing. You're going for the not only to learn and improve, but for the entire experience. Most people don't see it that way, particularly the people who are very mechanical in what they're trying to get done both on and off the golf course. Realize that you're trying to make a memory, and that does that value proposition equal some previous memories you've had? The, is there some comparisons, sometimes apple to oranges, but when you really think about previous golf vacations or just previous vacations to places you've never been, is this something that you're just as genuinely excited about at that same price point? Uh, and at the end of the day, I think it is about what kind of follow-up is provided within that rate. That, this is something that gets lost in the shuffle, Some people provide a lot of follow-up afterwards, whether you're bought into a virtual uh, instruction subscription automatically within the rate and it's included, whether that's an a la carte, whether extra on-course is a la carte. All these different things you do have to explore, but one of the things that gets lost in the shuffle is that follow-up. Is there any? period. I know early in my career, there was none. Uh, and I was sort of lost as a coach. Well, wait a minute, this person's calling me up. And the person I worked for was, well, come on, get them to come back. We, we need for them to pay for your time. And, uh, I'm sort of in the middle with that now. You mentioned a la carte. Let me go through some a la carte things. Is there on-course coaching? Is there extra rounds of golf that can be added? Can I upgrade my room? Can I upgrade my meal package if that's something that's included? Do you include rental clubs and balls and tees that come with the rental clubs? A lot of people just don't want to lug their clubs around anymore. Do you have transportation? Is that something included or is that a la carte? Transportation to and from an airport or a train station. Is there on-site transportation to go from one part of the resort to the other? I mentioned gratuities, not only gratuities for the instructor, but maybe for the instructor's helpers, for the other service people on property, such as the guys or gals cleaning your clubs and storing them. Ask all those questions, but start with what's your value proposition, and is this an experience that you're going to get a really good memory built from? Uh, My father's always told me, since I was a young kid, hey, all we're doing is making memories here, and your golf school experience should be one that you remember for a long, long time. And if you feel like you've overpaid or got gypped or you didn't do your due diligence, that's a memory 
you're going to remember on the golf course at the wrong time and hit an errant shot. You don't want that to happen. Yeah, and, and you know, we want the students that are coming to, to the schools to have a good experience. And obviously some mis- missteps or things can happen along the way, uh, and not always through the fault of, of those running the school. Sometimes circumstances can just be, um, you know, uh, uh, sort of a hit and miss. But I think it's important, you're, you're right in what you said, again, some great points, is that you want to make sure that you've really put a lot of thought into this and not just sort of, hey, this sounds good, or hey, this is right within the, the price that I want. Make sure that you understand what is and isn't included, and are there upgrade options, and if so, what are they, um, and, um, you know, how much are they, that sort of thing. So make sure you have all... You know, I look at it this way. The more information that you have up front, then you're able to make an informed decision. And especially if you're bringing a family member, if you're bringing a spouse, let's say, or a partner, and you get there and you haven't done that due diligence, well, then it's become not just unpleasant for you, but also for that other person as well because they're not happy, you're not happy, and it just a, becomes an overall miserable experience. So you want to make sure that you've looked into that. Another area, Jamie, that I want to come to you about, and this is one – that you might think is just a no-brainer, but really, uh, again, this is part of the investigation, if you will, and that is what practice time is offered. You want to be sure that you find out how much practice time is being offered at the golf school. Um, Some may offer a number of hours per day. Uh, Others may let the students choose their own practice schedule, depending on the the length and, and time. But this is something for a number of reasons, not just a matter of just warming up and hitting some shots, um, you're coming to that school to learn things and you want to be sure that you're being given ample time to work on some of those uh, areas that maybe you're, you're working at at the school on your own uh, outside of the, the, the school itself. So uh, what are your thoughts here? And again, what, and you can certainly throw in your own experiences as a, a coach and as a teacher professional, what you like to recommend for people that you're bringing into your own uh, golf schools or groups. Well, I certainly try to build in practice. I mean, I, the way I, I like to teach actually is to, you know, we're, we have a topic um, that we're really looking into, maybe a particular technique, something around, um, uh, I mean, what's the difference in a pitch and a chip? I mean, just as an example, or sand shots, uh, <clears throat> green side bunkers, um, <clears throat> uh, you know, uphill, downhill. Maybe we're, we're working on, on those kinds of lives. There's, you know, so many different topic areas to work on um, and then really look into what are some aspects of that technique, for example, and then to set up conditions to practice that and to have, have the opportunity for uh, students to, to really play those different kinds of shots and then supervise with the instructor. <clears throat> and that's something we haven't talked about yet, which is like ratio of um, student to instructor but where you get personalized mm-hmm. attention. And, you know, I also like to, I, I think a lot of the school do rotations, right? So maybe you work on this shot here and you're work on that shot there, or, you know, doing some different things. But that uh, I think it's so important to show something, give people a chance to work on it, show something else, give people a chance to work on that, make some corrections, give some, um, some new ideas, maybe try it with a different club, try it with the club. Um, you know, we've altered the loft a little bit, 
uh, you know, ball position. I mean, there's so many variables to play with. And I think that's what's so important is for people to have those kinds of experiences and they need to actually play the shots to do that. So versus, you know, practice on, uh, you know, the practice range or it could be around the greens, whatever, on the greens. Um, but that you have supervised practice where you're getting some information and then getting a chance to implement it, try it out. Um, I mean, for the, for the learning process is such that you've got to repeat and repeat and repeat, right? You can't just tell somebody something, particularly in golf, and not let them actually swing the club and try to do it, and then over and over. It's the repetition that starts to get into, um, you know, the, the whole body-mind system so that you can actually, you know, execute the shots and we'll learn what it is and have, get the feel and, and get some success with it. So the practice part is so, so important, and I think supervised practice where people are getting feedback. Um, and, and then to be able to take that to the course as well, I think that on-course practice, and again, supervising, call a playing lesson, but, um, you know, where we can set up some different experiences on the golf course are absolutely essential. To me, that's where people are going to get the real thing for their boss out of their golf school experience. You know, and, and again, some, some great, great points. Uh, you know, I think it all boils down to really balance. I think that you have to be in balance with, uh, the students at the school, I mean, you cannot be, and this comes into time, I want to add time in here, John, um, you know, you've got 24 hours in a day, you know, you might have um, several hours that they're working on a number of whatever, you know, as Jamie pointed out, a number of different things, but, um, and again, it's going to depend on what you're going to work on and how long you're going to be there, but how much time, when, I guess the question I want to ask is, how much time is sufficient in a day so let's say they're going to go for a two maybe even a three-day school how much time each day is sufficient to have them working on various different things it could be multiple things that they're working on um one to as to jamie's point you know to ensure that they're they're going to get a good um good feedback and good understanding of the concepts as opposed to too much time where they're now becoming burnt out and it's it's sort of having the opposite effect so in your opinion what has worked for you how much time is sufficient uh to, to work on some of the things that that we've talked about um and when does it become too much time that they're not really able to they're no longer enjoying the experience what, what are your thoughts here when a client calls me and asks about whether they should do a half day or a full day, one of the first questions I ask them is, what is their fitness level? When was the last time you played four rounds of golf in two days? If they're coming for a two-day school or six rounds of golf in three days, uh, your fitness level is going to really be the basis as to how much time will be appropriate for you in regards to getting the most efficient use of that time with an instructor or with a group and an instructor. Realize that one-to-one you can get more detailed, you can get more individual practice time, whereas with a group, a lot of that time you're going to be spending on your own hitting balls, most likely unsupervised, being provided some instruction and being asked to go about that instruction as best you can, as diligent and as disciplined as you can. 
but it's still time without an instructor watching you, and that's the biggest difference in why you pay more or I'm, you pay more for one-to-one than you would, say, for a group. When it comes to the amount of time, I also talk about the amount of balls. Uh, and the real simple math is if you're shooting 100, but in a utopic world you hit every green in regulation, that means you're putting 36 out of the 100 times, you're left with 64 full swings. And when you go through the big teaching basket of 300, you've just played five rounds of golf. So are you, that's part of the time budgeting as far as budgeting your time well from a pacing standpoint of view. The biggest thing that I see with people is they, you know, they're there for all great reasons. And they're there truly in a very uh, intense, short period of time trying to put in all the work that, say, somebody would put in in three to six months or even maybe a year with an instructor back home. It's, it, the choice is yours. But realize that your time is better spent learning. And as Jamie said, getting some good practice in, but realizing, hey, you're going to have to go home and know how to practice it. So that's the other thing I would say about your time, whether you're doing drills or not, whether you're receiving one-to-one or four-to-one or eight-to-one or whatever it is, you've got to make sure you're spending your time understanding what is it that I need to do for myself when I get home to carry on the experience, to carry on the learning so it's sustainable, not just a hit and miss, not just a a one-time fix. The other thing in regards to time is recovery. Uh, How much time does your body need to recover? How much sleep do you need? How much fueling and hydration do you need? And that should be part of the mix in above and beyond just your general fitness level. And that is going to differ. And I'll give you the two extremes. Uh, I've taught in Vegas before in 110-degree weather where it was gorgeous, sunny, but when your feet were on the, on the grass, you were burning, you were you're, you're soaking up so much sun, your hydration was just evaporating. Whereas... I could be in the mountains of North Carolina or Georgia, and it's 60 degrees with very little humidity, and that's just a totally different environment that you're spending your time in. Are you conditioned for that, and are are you going to be ready to handle that? Lastly, expectations. So many people come having an expectation of how they're going to utilize their time, how they want to spend their time, make darn sure that you're communicating those expectations to your coach, to your instructor, to the school administrator, to the secretary of the school, whoever your point person is. At this particular juncture is where most people will make their decision based on budget and the other things we've talked about. Does this school meet my expectation as to how I'm going to utilize my time? A lot of people have different ideas and expectations, but let's get those expectations met ahead of time. So as you're spending time, you're immersed in what you're doing, and you feel like your time's being utilized in the most efficient way, in a way that you're getting not only the most out of it, but it's fun while you're doing it. And I think that's where most people 
forget about time. Time, The time you spend there should be fun. You should, at the end of the day, go, wow, that day went quick. If it, if mm-hmm. it teeters on and goes on forever, then what your expectation of that time is versus how they delivered the time to you are probably two polar opposites, and your experience is probably not going to be as memorable as you want it to be. Yeah, it has to be fun. I mean, obviously you're there to, um, you know, work on certain aspects of your game, um, Jamie, but uh, obviously it has to be, uh, as John's pointing out, a good overall experience. And you were uh, touching on a little bit about from the instructor's standpoint and, you know, what sort of takeaways that the student should have from that instructor. And there's obviously a lot of variety. You know, it could be in a larger group, uh, uh, you know, a four-to-one ratio, um, obviously options of a two-to-one or one-to-one ratio might be uh, something more along the lines. But what's the takeaway based on your experience? You've done a lot of various different types of, of similar uh, schools and, and programs uh, through your uh, years of, of teaching and, and coaching. Um, but what's the takeaway you want your students to have when they're coming to, to work through you and maybe you've, you've got some others that are uh, there with you? Um, what's the takeaway that you want them to have? Uh, obviously a good experience, but what's the takeaway? What do you want them to do when they're going home? What's the experience? Well, first of all, I want them to be inspired. <laughs> I want them to be all fired up and just have uh, fallen in love with golf even more and to be excited about the learning process, the practicing process, the improvement process. I want them to feel hopeful. I want them to feel excited I want them to feel like they've really learned some new things. They've gotten some new perspectives, new information, and especially that they have kind of fallen in love with practicing. <laughs> a lot of people don't you know, kind of have a thing about practicing. Like, ah, they don't like it. It's like taking medicine. And if they can have the experience at a golf school, they're practicing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Experience at, <laughs> that practicing is, is really fun and it can be really creative and that it will make a, a really big difference in their improvement. Um, I always kind of tease people and my golf students and my martial arts students. I don't know if you remember, there was a scene in the Matrix movie, a very famous Matrix movie mm-hmm. many years ago now, but there was this guy who was like a fourth degree back, black belt and this person goes, download me, man, just download me. <laughs> and it's like you can't really download being a fourth-degree black belt or download golf improvement. It comes just through practicing, but it's not like taking medicine. Uh, it's, it's just a fascinating thing. And it's, so I want people to have a takeaway that they're really interacting with themselves in a very rich way with their mind, body, emotion, you know, systems, and being able to make swings and handle different situations and handle stress and pressure and handle um, bad shots, disappointment, handle even overexcitement um, or, or, you know, their expectations, that they uh, have been having fun with other people and that golf is both a very profound and rich personal internal experience as well as a wonderful social time and a time also to be in nature uh, and to just kind of, you know, reconnect in so many different ways. So those are the things that I want people to take away in addition to whatever their list was of what they specifically wanted to work on in their swing or in their, what aspect of their game and that they've got, you know, a, a few key points and not too many, but the really 
key that they've been able to hone in on some key points or factors or a bit of information or a couple of drills that, oh, yeah, that one's working for me. That's working for me. Now I just need to go work it. So if they leave with clarity on what they're going to, some things to practice, also on how to practice, a new love of practicing, and just a, a real kind of joy and excitement uh, reignited or, or ignited more than ever about the game of golf and their own possibilities to improve. Those are the things I want them to leave with. Yeah. Well, excuse or, me. Well you said. Know, take home with them. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it, it all down to um, the overall experience people, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, I've observed people in, in all different walks of life and and the truth of the matter is people are willing to you know uh, one of the most challenging things i think for most people is having to part with their hard-earned money um you know we work hard and 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 and, um sometimes uh, have challenges to uh to make that little bit extra so when we have to part with some um we want to make sure that we're getting good value and it's not all you know jamie you pointed out very early on it's not just all about um, you know, I don't want to just go there and have to grind for two or three days and not have a, a good overall experience and just feel like I'm work, 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 work. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some work involved. There's going to be some practice and there's going to be some uh, implementation. But I want to have a good overall experience. I want to feel um, that I'm getting good value. Um, whether I become a better golfer or not is, is not all uh, indicative of the instruction. Because, again, it's, as you pointed out, John, it's the expectations that people go in with, uh, you know, what your expectations and what commitment um, they're willing to invest, not just the the financial resources, but what commitment they're willing to uh, input uh, into that experience. So if they're going to go there and say, okay, I want to learn how to become a, you know, a a better uh, at my short game, what do I got to do? And I show them all these things and we go through the drills and, and so on and so forth, but they're not really putting the effort in. Um, then they're not going to come away with a really great experience because they're not going to see the improvement or the improvement they're going in with whatever they may be uh, expecting may not be realistic. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's something, and I'm not trying to scare anybody away from going to I mean, there's a lot of great golf schools out there, but this goes into, okay, what am I looking for? What What am I trying to achieve here? And what's my level of commitment? It's not just because just I paid the money. Well, that's my commitment. It's what commitment am I going to bring when I go there? And am I going to be open-minded? Am I going to be receptive? You know, maybe you're working with a coach or, or a teaching pro back home and you're going somewhere different. Um, you know, you can't be going through the process saying, well, my coach back home said this and my coach said, you know, you need to have an understanding and have somewhat of an open mind. And then if you have questions, then you come back uh, and you talk to your, uh, you know, coach or teaching pro there and say, hey, you know, I went to the school for a few days and, had a great experience, but there's some things I was confused about and have that conversation when you get back. But overall, I think the points that we talked on tonight, uh, you want to look at the reputation. You want to make sure that you reach out, look at online reviews if they're available or speak to other golfers uh, to see what they think of that uh, particular school or or what's being offered. Uh, And it certainly is a, uh, in conclusion, a daunting task. Um, But I think if you keep these factors that we mentioned in mind, I think you're going to find a school that is right for you, and that's really what we're we're talking about tonight, um, guys. I, I think a great discussion. Um, I think you guys hit a lot of the great points, and as always, I'm going to give both of you uh, an opportunity to 
Um, number one, let the folks know how they can reach out to you, but also if there's anything special that you'd like to promote um, at this time, uh, now is the time. We've got a few extra minutes, so um, go ahead. Jamie, I'm going to start with you this time and go in reverse order. So you go ahead, let the folks know how they can reach out to you, and if you've got anything special that you'd like to share with the audience. Well, people can reach me through my website, which is um, the Kiai Way, uh, sorry, um, Kiai Golf, K-I-A-I golf.com, or they can go to the, T-H-E, centered, center, E-D, the centered way.com, and it'll take you to the same place. So the centered way.com or kiagolf.com, and they can also write me an email, jamie at kiagolf.com, centerway.com. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's probably the best way. I often like to talk to people on the phone. I've been in and out of the country to some extent, um, so, um, but my phone number is 760-492-GOLF, G-O-L-F. Um, I have been diligently working on a book and uh, about the centered way and there's a wonderful just inclusive chapter about uh, using golf as a case study of really practicing the centered way and applying it whether that's in uh, golf sports leadership etc so I'm hoping my book will be uh, it's it's in the editing and formatting process so that's something exciting to look forward to and uh, I you know we'll probably be doing some more I've been really into doing virtual golf schools and uh, virtual mm-hmm. lessons so that people can have access at, at any time. And, of course, the fitness dimension, both the um, physical fitness, golf fitness, and the body-mind fitness, I think, is very, very important. And that's very easy to do and very powerful to do uh, in, you know, virtual Zoom sessions. And that can add to anybody's golf game. So those have been some things that I've been really excited about and having a lot of success with people. Um, you know, um, the pandemic kind of opened that up, and I'm just keeping going with it because it's been so successful. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, one of the great benefits of technology is allows you to reach out to a much broader and wider uh, golfing community and uh, and uh, not always having to um, see them face-to-face, which is certainly nice in itself, but uh, it, it allows you to reach uh, more people. So uh, definitely uh, virtual golf, and, and it can be, yeah, it can, go ahead. Yeah, I just if I could just uh, throw in one minute because we're right at the anniversary of Shirley Sporks passing right right now, and yeah. uh, also Marilyn Smith. They both passed away this week, uh, one year ago and uh, three or four years ago. They were two of the uh, founders of the LPGA, and they also were the founders and the ones who made possible the teaching division in 1959. The LPGA itself, the tour started in 1950. But they really felt that um, and gave the example that you weren't necessarily the greatest player, so, uh, but, but becoming a terrific teacher is really important. And surely, as you know, as a teacher till the day she died, and um, they were mm-hmm. phenomenal. Uh, so, you know, that kind of mentorship, that kind of passion on, you know, to your 90s, and uh, also to know that, you know, you're looking not for popularity or sometimes the, you know, top 100 teachers or whatever. People don't realize how much that's kind of a popularity political thing. It doesn't necessarily right. mean that someone's the best teacher. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely two greats. Shirley into, into Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, definitely two greats, uh, uh, original founders of the, the LPGA, which I had the honor of speaking with both of them uh, over uh, – uh, my time doing the program, so uh, very fortunate to have that. John, go ahead and, and let the folks know how they can reach out to you 
And uh, if you have anything special that you want to plug, uh, go ahead. Sure. First, Jamie, always a pleasure to be on the show with you. Always great points. Uh, we're sort of in not necessarily two different polar opposites, but we do a lot of similar things. We just go about it a little bit differently. And I'm always learning a little something from you and very much appreciate your wisdom that you share with everybody. Uh, Ted, again, thanks for the opportunity. Always a pleasure. Uh, look forward to the second Thursday of every month to share the passion that I have for what I do. Uh, John Hughes Golf. It's real simple. Put an ampersand or a hashtag in front of it. Put a .com at the end of it, and you're going to find me somewhere on the World Wide Web, whether it's my website or social media. Feel free to reach out at any point. I think something that Jamie said that I want to reiterate is every one of my potential clients do get to talk to me personally. There's not somebody on the other line from an answering service or uh, or uh, somebody who's an employee that, that answers my phone. I do that, and that's the personal connection I try to have people understand from the very get-go. And I applaud Jamie for doing the same. As far as uh, promoting anything, there are some very limited spots left for a very special one-to-one or two-to-one golf school experience at Macklemore between May 13th and June 20th. And there's also some openings in a group golf school. We're going to be doing two-day group golf schools. I'll have some assistance there to help me. And it's it's a little bit more on the affordable side, but Macklemore is just a spectacular facility, really great practice facility, top 10 finishing hole in all the world, a top 100 golf course with a fantastic uh, range and short game area called the Carn. Uh, do urge you to get, if you're interested, to get in touch with me personally, either at John at John Hughes Golf or give me a call. Uh, there are such limited dates available. We want to make sure that we can get you in there. It's going to be a great experience, and I hope you can join me there. Well done. And, um, guys, as always, I want to thank both of you for uh, always bringing your best to the show. It's always a – I really do, and I've, I've said this a number of times, but I sincerely mean this. I really enjoy uh, – obviously, I enjoy doing the show in general, but I really enjoy the Coach's Corner uh, segment, I get a chance to, to speak with uh, great professionals like yourself, and I always learn uh, some things as well, and hopefully uh, occasionally I uh, drop out a, a few pearls of wisdom of my own, but um, again, it's not about me, it's about you guys, so um, always enjoy it, have a great weekend, and I'll see you both next time on the Coach's Corner panel here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks, guys, have a great one. Thank, Thank you both. You okay. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, John Hughes and Jamie Leno-Zimron joining me on the Coach's Corner panel segment of Golf Talk Live. And when we come back, I'm going to be joined by both of my uh, special guests this evening, uh, uh, Mark uh, Lukenbill, uh, the founder and CEO of Improve uh, Golf, and Ann Dow Doe, who is their head of coaching and community. I'll tell you a little bit about both uh, when we come back after this quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, 
fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. Hi, good evening. Welcome to Golf Talk Live. Hi, can you hear me okay? Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah. Mark. Okay, hi. Uh, my apologies. I think my, <laughs> I think my mic may have gone uh, for a second, so I apologize if you didn't hear me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to, I think if, if I'm not mistaken, I think I may have actually had it uh, muted by mistake uh, from when I was going through the commercial. So I'm just going to very quickly uh, for the audience, just do a very quick uh, run through again, um, just uh, so that the people have a better understanding of who both of you are. So as I mentioned, my special guests tonight are Mark Lukenbill, uh, founder and CEO of Improve Sports and Ann Dow Do, who is the head of coaching and community. Uh, both uh, started the great game very young. And as you mentioned, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that uh, Ann Dow was the Co-Evans Scholar of the Year in 2022, and she was on Golf Talk Live uh, late in the season last year. So very excited to have her back. So, uh, again, my apologies uh, for the mic, but uh, welcome to Golf Talk Live, both of you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Can you guys hear us all right? Ken, and again, my apologies. Um, so, Ann, welcome back. Uh, glad to have you back on the show. And, uh, and Mark, uh, thank you for, for coming on as well. Um, I appreciate uh, – I haven't had a chance to speak with you before, but uh, I'm looking forward to tonight's discussion. So I'm going to do this just for a moment um, for both of you, and then we'll get into some of the specifics that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, Mark, just give me an idea. Obviously, I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, you played – uh, this game started playing this game at a very young age, about seven years old. How what was your earliest memories of the game? How did you get started? Was a family member get you involved or uh, somebody outside of your immediate family? How did you get started uh, playing this game and getting to where you are now? Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting story. My my uncles were all truck drivers, and, and um, it's weird how I found my way into the transportation and logistics industry aside from what I'm uh, doing now, but they drove for EasyGo and they delivered golf carts to, you know, all the major uh, golf courses up and down the coasts and uh, amazing summers for us. We would just ride with them, me and my brother, and uh, visit all these beautiful golf courses. And then I grew up in a small town in Missouri, uh, Harrisonville, Missouri. And I'm, I'm probably assuming, like the majority of your listeners, we had a small municipal course, nine hole with sand greens. Um, it, was the, it was the most bizarre thing in the world now that I've, you know, uh, played for as long as I have, been a part of, you know, many leagues, playing in high school and competitive tournaments. Uh, to think back about, you know, my initial start into the game and, you know, hitting wedges into a big circle sand dome, uh, having to place the ball, roll the, uh, you know, roll the roller out, take the string, line it up, move it over to the rolled out spot and put on sand surfaces. But uh, as I've gotten <laughs> older and, you know, got deeper into the game, I, I realized that's that's pretty common in a lot of these small communities. You know, they're just trying to get, uh, the game out there, and obviously it's a lot cheaper to maintain and build. So that's how I got my start into it. My uncles got me involved. Um, seven years old, first time I went out and played with them, and like you know, most people, fell in love with it. Yeah, and then you began, uh, you know, uh, involved obviously in leagues and and obviously playing competitively in high school and and obviously some other tournaments as well. And now you uh, are a member at a club in in Kansas, so you get to play a little bit more in a, a little bit different way than you did. Uh, uh, in your earlier uh, time, uh, and I, I'm 
obviously uh, a little more familiar with your story because, as I mentioned, you've been on the show uh, last year as uh, uh, Evan Scholar of the Year. And uh, obviously, uh, but just let the folks know, you, you started, as I mentioned as well, very a very young age, about 10 years old. But what was it about golf that appealed to you, that attracted you to the game? How did you get started? And then tell us just a little bit about how you got involved with the Ellen's, uh, sorry, the Evans Scholar Program. Yeah, so I think when I was very young, um, I wasn't very athletic. And, like, as much as I was, like, involved in soccer and basketball, like, those kind of sports were just not meant for me. And so I was introduced to golf through a Girl Scouts program where they partnered with the LPGA. And then after, like, my event and activities through Girl Scouts and LPGA, I joined a lot of, like, junior PGA leagues. And then I joined First Tee and Youth on Course. And then my involvement started to grow. And I, in the beginning, I really struggled as a golfer. But the whole point of learning golf as a child is you're not only developing life skills, but you are developing leadership skills because it takes a whole lot of um, like emotional intelligence to balance like your mentality if you hit a bad shot. Um, and then I think when I was in high school, I really enjoyed golfing, and so I was trying to look for a job, but then there just wasn't any jobs for me nearby my area, and I happened to found a, a caddy program at Indian Hills Country Club, and so ever since, like, I've been actively caddying, and then during the Caddy Academy, they presented the Evans Scholarship, and they said to qualify for the scholarship, you have to caddy for at least two-plus years and build a caddy record. And thankfully, that's how I was able to get the Evans Scholarship. And ever since, like, it's been a whole bunch of miracles being a part of the Evans Scholarship Foundation. Yeah, and, and, you know, as I said, um, I'll tell at the end of the, the program how the listeners can go back and, and hear that particular um, um, recording uh, of that show when you were on last year and uh, was the Evans uh, Scholar of the Year, and they can hear that interview in entirety, and there's a lot of great information there. So um, so now we're going to move on to improve golf uh, and improve sports. So, um, you know, Mark, you obviously at some point had, uh, had the idea to, to start this, um, how did you come up with the idea? What was it? What sort of sparked in your mind? Okay, here's something I wanted to tell us a little bit first up about the business itself. What is it? How does it sort of work? And what sparked the interest in developing this? Um, and 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 as you continue to grow, help grow the game, what was sort of the the motivating factor to develop uh, improve golf? Sure, absolutely. So. Uh, give a high level on what we're doing. The company itself is Improved Sports, where we're building, you know, a series of peer-to-peer on-demand sports education marketplaces. Uh, the first lead into the market is with Improved Golf, where, you know, it's essentially it's a, it's a matchmaking service where we're trying to pair students, prospective students, um, youth, uh, people interested in getting involved in the game or accelerating, uh, you know, their path in the game with coaches um, and you know, there's a general problem in the market where majority of our course pros are overbooked. Their time is, you know, very valuable but very scarce. And uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people that, you know, are seeking instruction or want to get involved in the game but don't have an outlet to it. Uh, so the idea is to basically connect um, all of the current pros, current instructors, 
uh, but then also build a platform for individuals that you know played in high school, played in college. Uh, one of the individuals that's helping us on the coaching side, uh, he coaches for a local community high school here um, during the spring. He's a golf team that he coaches, but then during the summer when school is out, this is an outlet for him to continue that education path, build a profile as a coach, offer his services, make additional income, um, you know, and then really try to continue that business outside of the school year. Um, so the idea is really it's a connection place, right? We allow anybody to participate as a coach, but then for players' perspective to find the right fit for them. Um, golf's really challenging. It is, and it's, it's take instruction. We're very prideful individuals, you know, and uh, I want to allow people to find the right fit for them, uh, whether it's demographically, ethically, you know, um, what, whatever they are looking for in the game, I hope they find it and improve. And so I can tell you a little bit about you know, and- the, the concept of the idea, but, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get, yeah, we're going to get into that um, uh, next, but I just want to just sort of piggyback onto what you just said. You know, you're, you're exactly right. One of the, the things that happened, um, you know, which fortunate but unfortunate um, in some ways in, in golf is, you know, we've just sort of come on to the other side of this pandemic. And, you know, obviously it was very unfortunate for uh, a number of reasons um, that we had to go through this, but golf really um, benefited as a result because there were a lot of things that we couldn't do. Um, and golf, fortunately for, for the industry, was something that we were able to do uh, more freely than, than other activities. So there's really been an uptick, as you pointed out, in the game and causing a lot of coaches not to you know, be available. So really what you're providing is, in a sense, a, a service of uh, connecting people together and saying, hey, we've got you know, this group over here who is able to provide, you know, some uh, top-notch quality instruction, and uh, we've got a sort of an, a willing participating audience, if you will, over here that needs access to that but is having difficulty for whatever reason. So, you know, hence uh, improved golf is developed. So tell us about how it actually works so that people understand uh, it's about making that connection between really the two parties. How does it happen? What's involved, and what's the process? Give us a better understanding of that. Absolutely. Uh, so the application is completely free for both parties. Um, the idea is that a player can build a profile, they can set goals, they can set areas of focus, um, and then from from their homepage, simply go out and say, "Hey, you know, I've, I'm open Friday at two o'clock. Does anybody want to either meet me at, you know, Falcon Dubs X X Golf, you know, X Y Z course?" Um, and help me work on some things, and they'll send a request out, and then anybody who's signed up uh, as a coach within that certain mile radius will get a request, um, and they're allowed to, you know, basically put a bid back in and say, yeah, I can do it. You know, I'm available. I can do it for 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 100 bucks, mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And the idea of the marketplace is that you have um, instruction levels from every facet. You've got individuals that um, want nothing more than to do gig work, right? They're, uh, you know, maybe a single-digit mm-hmm. handicap. They know the basics of the game. They can teach. Um, they can, you know, offer their services, offer their uh, insights to the game, and nothing better to do on a Friday night, all the way up to course professionals or people that do this for a living. And it's up to the consumer mm-hmm. to decide what's the best fit for them. Like, I think of it from a uh, first-time golfer's perspective. There's a lot of intimidation that goes into going to a country club and asking a pro for a lesson, uh, we're all golfers right. here. We know how personal personal the swing is. Um, but to be able to have somebody else that fits your social, um, you know, basically the, the thing that you, you know, feel comfortable with, being able to choose 
seeing a profile that has social content, uh, videos of previous lessons, accolades, things that they've accomplished, um, and then obviously seeing the rate difference allows you to choose the coach that fits for you. Uh, but then the other side of it, the flip side, is the coaching, right? So we want, uh, we want our course pros to participate. We want our current instructors to participate. But, again, their time is so valuable and so booked to this point that we've actually built a feature inside the app that allows them to push last-minute cancellations. So we're, we all know mm-hmm. somebody builds a book of business coaching, life happens, people have kids, families, reality, jobs. Um, all of a sudden, that 2 p.m. lesson that you had booked for three weeks cancels at 1.30, right? Um, from a coach's perspective, now we give them the option to push that promotion straight to the marketplace of students by saying, hey, I have this time open now. My normal rate's X. This is what I'll do it for now. And that gets automatically exposed to this marketplace of students right on their homepage. And then with that, they can manage a dynamic calendar. They can uh, push open times, whatever times they have throughout the day. It's very, very simple. Just touch a couple times. Like I've got a 30-minute block here, an hour block here. Uh, and then from the student side, again, they can request instantly or through the Explore feature, uh, go in with unique, um, really smart search criteria, find a coach that they're um, either within an area or by a venue or uh, by areas of focus, look at their profile, view their schedule, and then book directly with them right there. And and now is this all, uh, you know, obviously they're able to um, each side, and I'm going to use it that way. So from a coaching standpoint and from a student standpoint, uh, you know, there's profiles that uh, the student mm-hmm. can view and obviously the coach can view as well. And as you said, there's uh, an opportunity for coaches that have openings, um, you know, either regular openings or last-minute openings uh, are able, as you said, to push that through. Uh, can they also, on a regular basis, let's say if they decide, you know what, I really like this format, I like that uh, I'm going to leave every Friday afternoon, you know, two hours open, and I'm going to maybe put, uh, you know, an offer of either an hour lesson or half hour, you know, four half-hour lessons, however they want to bill it, um, and here's the rate that I'm going to do. Can they do that? Can they be that flexible as well from a coach's standpoint and push that through? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We spend a lot of time building the MVP. We focus the majority of the time. Uh, in the dynamic calendar and the, and the scheduling feature for the coaches. Uh, we met with a lot of local pros here in Kansas City and a couple of other small target areas, um, asked them what's their challenge right now. And they said that, right, it's managing the clientele base because you think about the course pro, for instance. There's a lot that they have to do mm-hmm. aside from just giving lessons at the course. And right. days are very variable, right? right? Um, so the fact that they can either, exactly like you said, hey, I know every Friday from – you know, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., I have that blocked off for lessons. I can set that reoccurring on my calendar. Students can see that when they view my profile. Or I can manage it dynamically to say, you know, this day's slowing down. Inventory's not here. Shipment got pushed. I've got three hours open now. Let me go ahead and add this mm-hmm. as, you know, open available time for the students to come onto my profile and book. Yeah, and that's a great, you know, feature to have because, uh, again, it gives – the, from a coaching standpoint, it gives them the opportunity to say, hey, here's what I have available. Here's my schedule. And then it allows the, from the student's perspective to say, okay, here's what I'm looking for. And through, you know, the wonderful world of technology, they're able to come together, which is not something that's always been as easy. I mean, you know, not everybody can, like you said, um, wants to necessarily go and visit uh, and ask the pro at the local country club. Uh, because it can be very intimidating. So it gives them an option to sort of meet on their own terms and then develop a mm-hmm. you know relationship moving forward. So I think it's a great opportunity. And I want to bring you into this because I've got a, a sort of a similar question for you about Improve Golf. 
Um, how do you see it sort of benefiting the youth, if you will? I mean, this is uh, an ever-growing game. It's not just, you know, the old guys like me out there that have been playing for a number of years. There's a lot of youth coming to the market like yourself and, and others. So how do you see this really benefiting? Um, because youth are, are, you know, they're not used to, um, you know, many of the youth today have not grown up in that country club experience. Some of them may never golf. So, that's, again, there's an intimidation factor. So how do you see improve? Uh, golf sort of benefiting the younger market out there? I think for the younger market, it will help parents and youth together to find more local coaches, and especially it will increase accessibility to golf tremendously, mostly because, like, from my own personal experience, since I was in the first tee network and I had access to the first tee coaches, I had to drive about 40-plus minutes near or from Kansas City to Missouri just to get lessons for first tee programs and I could find some that were closer to me but those coaches were always booked because they had lessons through the pro shop and they had like Mm -hmm. older clients um, that would get off of work and have lessons and then it was just quite difficult because my parents are also working individuals and like at the time I couldn't drive myself and so it would have to be like late evenings And I think with this opportunity, it definitely gives a lot of options for all age groups, um, any type of individuals, boys, girls who want to learn. And then I think the app also helps tailor lessons to each individual because, like, not everyone has the same, um, I guess, knowledge regarding golf. And with the app, you can build your profile and where, like, so through the first tee, if I'm the Eagle program or an ace level program, like I'm trying to get my badge or a little pin for that. And the coaches through Improve Golf can help, you know, develop the skills that the first tee program has or et cetera. Um, so I think it helps bridge the gap between a whole lot of areas that are missing. Yeah, well said. Um, yeah, and and if I could speak sorry, go ahead, Mark. Just real yep, fast. go ahead. Yeah, if I, if, absolutely. Sure. Um, so we built a parent portal inside the app because the idea, from a youth perspective, is we want to promote competition, right? We want people to experience all the benefits that the game of golf has to offer. Um, and in working with a lot of local high schools, we found that you know just it's it's generalized. High school instruction, for the majority part, in a lot of smaller societies, is very generalized. You have one person that coaches. 15, 20, 30 uh, students at a time, uh, right. it becomes very difficult. Right. But if you have, you know, the, the drive, the passion, the talent uh, to try to make a career out of it, our, our goal is to create a matchmaking service to help you find somebody that can work with you one-on-one, right? Setting up regular sessions, helping you accelerate your game. Maybe you want to go from JV to varsity or, you know, lower mm-hmm. varsity to state, right? Um, offering that supplemental instruction outside of what the school provides. Yeah, and what's great, I, I want to point out in case the listeners haven't picked up on this yet, um, is, is that this is really through an app. So you're utilizing technology in order to, to do this. It's not just a matter of, you know, uh, going on a website or what have you. There's actually an app um, that people can, you know, uh, get for their um, device and be able to utilize this, this particular service. What I, what, I find, what I want to ask you, though, is you mentioned earlier, Mark, about, you know, video uh, content and things like that. So in addition to connecting the two groups, the, the, the coaching or professionals, and then obviously the specials have an opportunity 
uh, and and let me see if I can get this right. Um, you know, when you when you go to whether it be a, um, a confectionery store or something, you'd like to get a little taste of, of what you're going to experience. Do the coaches have the ability to put up some, uh, you know, again, very short, but uh, instructional uh, tips or things like that, just to give an example of what they're providing so that the students can kind of sample a little bit and say, hey, you know, I really like what this person's approach or, you know, maybe I like that person's approach. Is there a the availability to do that so that the student gets a better understanding of what's coming that way as opposed to just a, a, a bio. Give me your thoughts here. Absolutely, Ted. I mean, you hit the nail on the head right there. So the, the social feed inside the platform is designed specifically for that, right? Uh, we want to give the coaches every tool possible to promote themselves and build their business, right? It's, a, it's building a brand. It's marketing themselves. Um, and creating followers, right? We wanted, we modeled it very similar to your traditional social sites that are out there where players can follow mm-hmm. coaches, um, see any content that they post. Uh, but the ideation is that, you know, coaches, you have free reign if you want to post previous lessons, swing tips for the day. The more content you post, the more exposure to a potential audience that you get. If you have, you know, tons of current followers liking and um, subscribing to your profile, following your profile, that's going to then, you know, um, show to other prospective students and have them come over and view your information, which, you know, you have that, like, I don't want to call it, like, a fear factor, but a similar fear factor, right? Everybody has a little bit of reservations in going to an in-person lesson, but if you're seeing content, if it's, you know, how you approach the game, if it's, you know, something that you're vibing with, then that might make them make that jump from uh, just social interaction to actual lesson booking. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, I think it's good for for people, and especially in, you know, we didn't obviously have a lot of this uh, technology when I was growing up, uh, which in some ways we did, but, um, you know, it, it, it's making the, the game um, in a lot of ways much more interesting because you have so many options available that you didn't have before. And, and it's also becoming much more affordable uh, than what it once was. And, Anne, I think you can relate to this. I mean, it, you know, golf has traditionally been a, a, a very expensive game, and, and I'm not trying to say that it's all of a sudden bargain basement either, but it's becoming more accessible, more affordable. So from, and again, I'm going to approach this from the use perspective, um, you really see this as an opportunity from a coaching standpoint, um, really differentiating from some of the current youth coaching pro- platforms that we see. And you mentioned First T and that, but even the LPJ. And, and again, I'm not knocking any of the organizations, but you see this as really an opportunity to fill a void that maybe has not been there by some of the other organizations. Is that accurate? And if so, maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, more or less. I mean, I think if Improved Golf and Youth on Course, LPGA, PGA, and um, I guess the first T as well, if all of them can share similar networks, I think that it would also be easier to find any like PJ certified, OPG certified, first T certified coaches. And this will also help youth who are very interested in wanting like a first T coach as compared to like a coach who coaches more like adults. Um, but like all of this just shows that the market for coaches can be very wide and immense and that um, I guess the diversity of it is where we also don't know, like, who's available besides, like, word of mouth of individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I right. think it, it's almost like a LinkedIn 
for coaches. And I think this is, like, very revolutionary for a whole lot of individuals. Yeah, we, we actually yeah, and, built and, the uh, profile. Sorry, excuse me. Sorry, real quick. So we actually built the profile to allow coaches to add those accolades. So if they're a first-team member, youth on course member, PGA member, they can add that right on their profile. So smart search features in the app allow students to find those connections. Sorry, Ted. Yeah, and – yeah, and that's great. I mean, because, you know, that's what people see. And this is what I was talking about earlier when I mentioned, you know, sort of during and, and post-pandemic, you know, a lot of new people came to the game uh, that had never been around before. They didn't, you know, have the um, fortunate uh, ability, uh, as you both did, that, you know, got into this game at a very young age. And they're coming out for the first time. And some of them may be in their 20s. Some of them may be even a little bit older. Uh, never picked up a golf club. So for them... You know, they're wanting to have, uh, you know, the ability to do that, but they're not sure where to start. So you're really providing the platform um, that gives them the information they need to make an informed decision. Say, okay, you know, here, I'm really interested in the sport. I don't know where to start. Here's a good place for me to start is improve uh, golf. So on that, what advice would you give both coaches, Mark, and players uh, that may be potentially interested in your app? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're trying to do is mitigate risk, right? Um, I think right now with traditional means of going out and finding uh, instruction, there's several risk factors that are preventing people from actually taking the leap forward. One of them is cost, comfort, um, style fit, personality fit, right? Um, we can never make the decision for them. We want to get as many people involved in this game as we possibly can. You know, if I can uh, it's, it's so hard to put into words the experience that I have every time I step foot on a tee box, right? Um, but if I can share just a little bit of that with somebody, that's what my goal is. So our, instead of, you know, obviously pushing the button for them, if I can reduce the amount of risk that they have in taking mm -hmm. that first step, you know, that's obviously what I'm trying to do. So obviously giving them uh, features and functionality to find a fit that works for them, to find a price point that works for them, to find a schedule or a venue or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that works for them. It obviously mitigates a lot of that risk and allows them to take that leap a lot easier. Yeah, again, well said. And, and then I think from, again, a, a, a more youthful perspective, um, you know, with, with the availability of technology, um, people want to be able to access, not just access the information, but they want to be able to do it easily. They don't want to have to, you know, to be a, a cumbersome uh, event. So if they're looking to get more information, um, they want to be able to go somewhere and do the things that they need to do to get the answers to the questions they may have and then take action when appropriate. So this is something that obviously has appealed to you about improved golf. Um, and is that correct that really that's what the youth is looking for is they're looking for not just a different experience, but the ease of access not only to the golf game itself, but to, you know, top-rated uh, instruction or better uh, instruction, um, but also to learn the game at a level and accessibility that hasn't been there for a long time. Is that accurate as well? And, and if you want to add any thoughts. Yeah, I think it's accurate because for the most part, um, like if I were to have a coach, like sometimes it might work, sometimes it might not. And especially in most areas, like, your options might be limited to, like, whoever can coach, but having the whole platform, the network of more coaches available within the area, like, you get options. And it's almost like, I won't say, like, 
see dating, but it's almost like, you know, you got to try out lessons with one coach, and if it doesn't work out, then you can try another one, and you can, like, based on their profile and see, like, oh, how have they worked in the past with students, and what are their thoughts, and then it's like, you can recommend people, or you can just see ratings, and I think for, I guess, youths, this will help us a whole lot, because especially for older kids, um, you Mm -hmm. know, they're school schedule could be tight and so sometimes they might want like last minute lessons so this app definitely offers that whole flexibility with them because not all the time you can go to a scheduled lesson because you might have an important exam or for college students who um, want to transition from the student to a coach they can have that option and where like you can make cash on the side and, you know, use your expertise or knowledge that you've learned in golf and apply it and, I guess, share that same knowledge and experience to other um, youth as well. Yeah, uh, again, well said. And, and you know, it's all, you know, it's it's obviously about the accessibility and it's, it's you want to make it as simple and easy as possible. Mark, I want to ask you from a coach's perspective, um, for the coaches that are going to get involved, um, I think – you know, I've been teaching this game now. This is my uh, 30, oh, 31 years. I can't believe it. Um, getting up there. But one of the things that I've always tried to do is to keep things as simple as possible. So when, when somebody is, is coming to you and they're saying, okay, you know, I want to be a part of this. This sounds great. I really like what you're doing here. Um, you know, I've got all this experience. Do you try to encourage them to keep it as simple as possible? Certainly, you know, they want to talk about what they can do and things like that. But do you try to avoid a, a situation where they're sort of overanalyzing the process? In other words, providing so much information, you know, the, there's the person on the other side scrolling through, you know, 3,000 uh, pages. And I know this is exaggeration, but are you trying to encourage the coaches to say, hey, let's keep it as simple as possible. People are going to get a, a flavor of what you can do and what your credibility is but let's keep it as simple as possible so that people are not sort of getting caught in the weeds. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. So um, it's interesting that you say that. Like I, I've, I've had a lot of conversations about what we do, and this is a feature that we built um, probably in the, the really early stages of development for improved golf. That actually, it's, 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 I'm kind of just flabbergasted right now because nobody's thought, asked about this, but it was something that we thought about in the very beginning. So, um, when a lesson is booked in the platform, we have a chat auto default. So as soon as a lesson is booked with a coach, it takes you to a chat screen. Um, and the first mm-hmm. auto-populated question is, what do you want to get out of this lesson? Um, so before the yep. coach even has to type it, we set that expectation with the student to say, tell me what you want to experience, right? Because the idea of it mm-hmm. is that if a coach and a student have clear expectations of what's going to happen, you're not going to show up to a lesson and have a coach just data dump on you, which to your point, um, we have a lot and trust me, there's a ton of great knowledge out there, but people who've been doing Mm -hmm. it as long as you have, and as long as a lot of these coaches have, uh, it gets robotic and it gets repetitive and they show up to a lesson and they just start going into it. Right. Uh, versus that yeah, whole qualification. <laughs> Absolutely, right? There needs to be a level of qualification right. that happens, right? What do you want out of the lesson? So that's what we also try to implement with the areas of focus. So when uh, a new student is requesting a lesson, they can actually put key features in that they want to focus on. Like, hey, I want this lesson to solely focus on mid-irons. 
and putting, right? And they put those two characteristics in, and that goes out in the request or uh, driving, ball speed, or club fitting, or fitness, right? Like, hey, I want somebody to help me with stretches, things that I can do pre-routine to, to get my body in shape because I'm getting older. So we try to mm-hmm. put that, that level of communication uh, first and foremost in the lesson request, but then we add another layer in with the chat auto default that says, hey, let's make sure that our expectations are set clearly on both sides before we get there. Yeah, and that, that's a, a really great uh, couple of points as well is, you know, and, and you're exactly right. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it. You know, I've caught myself over the years, you know, you you sort of have an understanding of, of what, for the most part, on average, what students are looking for. You know, we were given two ears and one mouth for a reason, and that's because we need to listen more than we do <laughs> than we speak. And yeah. unfortunately, there are, are some in the industry that want to tell you, and especially where techno, uh, technology, and I'm not talking about your app, but I'm talking about technology when it comes to teaching, um, you know, and I get, you know, I went to the PGA show this year and uh, again, and, you know, you see all kinds of wonderful technology, but the downside to that is there's so much involved teaching these coaches how to use and understand it that for some reason they feel impelled to, you know, teach their student all about this technology and it's really not necessary. So, you know, that's something that, you know, we have to learn to guard against as coaches that say, you know, that technology is for us to better help and serve you, the student, not there to give you a lesson about how the technology works. The student doesn't really care uh, unless they're, you know, a science major or something like that. And then that's a conversation you could have after the lesson, but not during the lesson. So um, I think that's important as well. And then, you know, Anna, I want to come back to you as well. Um, from a student's perspective, what are you looking for? If you were a student and you were on this platform, obviously you're looking to connect with somebody in that. But I've known working with a lot of younger um, students and things over the years, I deal mainly corporate, but I also do some of the other as well from time to time. And one thing I've learned lately is that the generations coming up are looking more for what I would classify as a golf plus experience. And what I mean by that is they weren't raised in the country club atmosphere, most of them, and they're not looking to be the next, you know, master's winner or, uh, you know, LPJ major winner. They just want to go out and have fun. And I think that's something that you want as well when you're playing is you certainly want to play your best and be competitive and whatnot but you're out there to have a good time. And I think that's what this younger, more youthful generation is looking for is sort of that golf plus experience. Is that accurate, do you think? And and maybe you can shed some light on that. Yeah, so I think um, from a student perspective, I've grown up just learning the basics and honing my craft based on those basics. But I think as golf lessons start to evolve, there's a whole lot more programs like snag golf that really spices up the game a little bit and you can incorporate more activities um, like aiming your ball at a target in either midair or on the ground, um, target practice, etc. And so especially from a student perspective, I think having a coach who can be flexible and create a curriculum for their students um, that's tailored to them. Like if I want to learn how to drive, like I can't just, or I just don't want to be hitting balls at the driving range because, you know, my body will tire out. And I know for like younger students or like um, from age groups three to 10, 
I would think they would want more funner games and with snag golf, um, the equipment itself is very adjusted to the different heights of younger individuals. And then mm-hmm. um, like instead of an actual golf ball, they have more of a, I don't know what you call it, like a styrofoam ball or not styrofoam, yeah. but it's like those balls that stick to the targets. And I know there's also um, yeah a weight where you can add weights to the club or it could just be a stick, all those type of materials where it's like injury, not, or, you know, there's no injuries involved, like all of that having those resources available into the curriculum itself, that's something that I would look for if I were in the shoes of a 12-year-old or something like that. And it can't always just be like, what's in your bag? All 14 clubs. But, you know, it'd also be nice to just have a round of um, 18 holes or nine holes, either at a Mm -hmm. plus three course. Um, But something else is, I would like to know some tips and tricks, like stance, um, or I guess hand positioning on a club, because I think I've always had the same Schnegler hand grip, but, you know, some people's grips are different for different students. So if I had known different ways to hold a club, different ways to stand and hit a ball or approach a ball, then I think that would have been helpful because these type of exercises have helped students, especially in the first tee, tremendously. So I think just more diversity and knowing the students you'll have and the coach perspective as well. Yeah, and and that's, uh, again, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And that's a great point because, again, you know, we're all individuals. We all play the game differently. It might be the same game, but we play it differently. And there are a lot of different grips that can be used and variations of the grip, uh, again, depending on and meeting that individual's needs. So, and there's a lot of different options to learn the game as well. So it's great to, to be able to have that. And, and Mark, I want to give you an opportunity to just spend a few minutes to talk about uh, overall the improve sports model, because it's not just about improve golf. We're talking about golf right now, but um, you are also branding it as Improve Sports. What are your plans with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so before we go into that, I just want to make one comment uh, on the last of it. So we, we actually built this app specific for the scenario that you just mentioned, right? Like how can we allow individuals to have more fun? Um, say you have a, a guy's golf trip coming up on the weekend or a tournament, like Kansas and um, uh, Missouri and, you know, I'm sure a lot of other states are doing something very similar with these amateur tours and uh, promoting mm-hmm. a lot of competitive golf events, which is, it, it's amazing, right? Uh, but let's just say you right. have a tournament coming up in the weekend and then all of a sudden you're out playing on a Wednesday and you're, you're hooking your driver and you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> to be able to have that instant connection to say, somebody meet me out on the range and tell me what I'm doing wrong before I go into this tournament Saturday, right? That's going to help them have a better mm-hmm. experience when they go into that. Um, so the idea is exactly that, right? How do we create the optimal experience inside the game? And that translates to every other sport. So we built the tech. Um, it took us, so we've been building this for about two years now. We had a version of the product built in 2021 that we thought about taking to market. Um, 2021, we were still very much, you know, living in this weird COVID world and 
there were some, mm-hmm. you know, concerns and thoughts about, you know, the, uh, I, I guess, just the want of people to have an in-person instructions, which, you know, I think that that birthed a lot of these online uh, coaching programs that exist right now, Skillists, uh, Me and My Golf, uh, a couple others that, that came right. out of it. Um, but golf, you know, it's, it's so nuanced. Like, nothing can take the place of an in-person lesson. You take a video from the back, who's to tell how, how far away your feet are, right, or where your hand position mm-hmm. lies in between your knees? Like, you can't see that from a video, you know. And that little thing can affect the swing so much. But anyways, um, right. so we had, a, we had an MVP version of that product built in 21. We said, hey, let's take a step back, right? We, we see a larger vision for what we're doing outside of golf, even though a majority of our founders are scratch golfers and, you know, very uh, uh, and passionate and involved in the game itself. But we all, like, I, I have three children. I coach my sons everything. So basketball, baseball, soccer, football, everything. Um, and mm-hmm. the idea is, like, how can we take this same level of person-to-person, um, peer-to-peer instruction, available on-demand instruction to every other sport? So we actually decided, like, let's rebuild the tech. Let's rebuild the tech and refractor it to where – once we get one app to the market, prove the concept, which we're doing now with golf, uh, we can relabel it, change the venue strategy a little bit, and have tennis ready later this year. And then from there, we'll have mm-hmm. baseball, softball ready right after that, volleyball, football, every other sport where there's a need for people that want to promote either their children's or uh, maybe they're an adult competitive league, a, a way to get better, have the availability to, to have an outlet to get better. Um, and we find this, you know, especially with, when we look at tennis, right, um, it's great. Like if we had an app that could connect players to coaches to go meet at a public facility, Wyandotte County Park, all these other, you know, facilities that have tennis courts and have somebody out there and just hit a bunch of balls for an hour and a half, work on, you know, forehand, backhand, baseball, you know, go meet at a facility, hit some, or, or you know, go throw a couple of balls to them, play some fielding, hit some rounders to them, um, ha- allow that parent to have access to those coaches who, you know, if you have a child that shows the competitive advantage to maybe make a career out of it, you start now, you're obviously going to propel yourself above um, your your peer group. And that's what we want to give people, the ability to do that. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. Um, now, is there also, Mark, just so I, I understand this, and I want to make sure so the audience understands this, I, obviously this is all done through an app. Um, you're connecting coaches and students together in that, and, um, you know, obviously – being creating the opportunity to meet at facilities but is there also for you know as Ann pointed out earlier you know schedules especially for students that have very you know robust education uh, schedules that maybe are not always able to to dip out to a range or a golf course is there also um, a a virtual uh, ability there as well not just to communicate but if they want to uh, get that update or instruction can they also through the app uh, do that, or do they need to go outside once the connection's made if they want to do a virtual lesson? Is that able to do that in real time, or or is that something that's uh, not being offered through? Okay, so go ahead. Touch on that just briefly, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, absolutely. As much as we all want to put COVID behind us, unfortunately, it's something that has affected the way that we interact with individuals moving forward. So we have built a virtual feature inside the app. And I, you know, I don't want to blame it on COVID specifically with the pandemic itself, but I right. think it changed the behavior of the individual, right? Like nothing right. to do with me fearing going out to get a disease, but I prefer to do things virtually now, right? I have three kids and life right. happens, but now if I can meet somebody over Zoom, um, that allows me to accomplish more things throughout my day, which, you know, efficiency is obviously the key. 
Um, so absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. So just the, the behavioral change of the way that we like to buy. So we built a virtual feature absolutely inside the app uh, where students can send videos. They can request just phone consultations. Um, they can actually just – like we actually – the thought is exactly what you said. It's, it's uh, interviews, right? Uh, so, for instance, mm-hmm. if you just see a coach's profile and you want to request a free phone consultation, um, you can do that through the app as well. Like, hey, I just want to talk to you before we meet, right? I want to understand – a little bit more. Yeah, your profile says you did this, this, and this. That's great. But maybe I just want right. to make a human connection before I go out and meet you somewhere. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You want to. Yeah. You want to make sure that. And it really goes back to um, compatibility as well. I mean, you know, they might have great credentials, but they may not be the right person for you. Uh, doesn't mean they're a bad coach, or again, it works the other way too. Is maybe the the student's expectations. Um, and again, I'm not trying to you know throw anything on there, but you know, maybe they're not necessarily being realistic. And as a coach, you know, I don't want to put myself in a position where if this person's expectations don't meet what it is that I'm providing, I don't want to make that connection and have them be disappointed or not feeling like I'm able to provide what they need to get the results that they want. So I think, yeah, I think that's great to have that ability to have that interconnection before you ever step out in the lesson tee. And I think yeah. it's... Um, Right, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you heard me say it earlier. It's mitigating the risk, right? How can we lower the yeah. risk to get somebody to, yeah. to make that jump into, you know, bettering themselves? You know, I had a guest on several years ago. That unfortunately, the name uh, slips my mind. But, uh, you know, he was talking about, he was a young young individual, and he, he said one of the issues that he had was time. Um, you know, I don't have four hours to go out and play 18 holes and actually four hours is a, is a blessing because it's more like five and a half, depending on where you're playing, but um, this day and age. So, you know, he was looking for other options and, you know, this was something that he was working on at the time as, you know, somebody had just gotten out of school, he's got his first job and he wants to play the game, but again, his time is valuable. So this is something else. And I guess that, you know, again, especially for the younger generation as they, step into the market, you know, the working marketplace, or maybe they're finishing up their degrees are, are very limited for their time. So this gives them an avenue or another outlet to be able to add golf to their repertoire, but without having to consume a lot of additional time, or they can stretch it to the time that is convenient for them. Um, your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I would agree. Cause I'm like, as a college student, I cannot afford four hours just to play a round of golf. Maybe some people can, but like personally, student life, work life, it's hard to balance. So it definitely mm-hmm. helps if I sneak in a quick round and have a coach or someone who can like caddy coach at the same time for me, um, just for a few hours, like 90 minutes is fine. Um, but it, I mean, it goes hand in hand where like let's say if I or a coach had canceled then having a next best option for me like a backup list um, all mm-hmm. of that comes in handy because you know like I said earlier everyone's schedule is different and it could be a little bit tight um, so it just comes in handy where um, I guess if like a coach can only make it for an hour instead of four hours, like you can make an agreement and then the student can play for a remaining three hours if they choose to play for that long, um, all of that. Right. And then for the coach, they can just be paid for that hour. And so it definitely 
um, goes hand in hand, and like you can book individuals for by time and uh, location. You can set all of that and communicate with each other easily instead of like um, it being a little bit uncomfortable, like through text and having that whole explanation. Um, but with the app, it's like all preset, like one hour. That's it. It's all one and done. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a great uh, a great approach. So, Mark, as we sort of tie all the loose ends up here and, and wrap it up into a nice bow, uh, number one, how can people get more information? And is the app currently available in both Android and uh, Apple versions or iOS version right now? Um, and if not, when will they be uh, available? And I'm talking obviously about Improved Golf because I know you're working on uh, some of the other sports as well uh, to unpack a little bit later this year. Um, but is it available now? And um, based on what you have compiled, is it something that is obviously growing across the United States, but where is it available now? I know the app is obviously available anywhere, but um, with what you've got right now, is it more localized in your area in Kansas uh, and maybe a few other markets, uh, or is it pretty much available now across the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. So it is. Um, we both have we have an Android and an iOS version that um, – so to give you a little backstory, we, we released the beta version at the Kansas City Golf Show February 24th. From there, we took uh, kind of like a proof of concept modeling for Kansas City. Uh, we have obviously strong community um, roots here and, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of deep relationships with the courses and the coaches. And the idea was meeting with them over the course of the last month to say what works, what doesn't work, what needs to change, um, what can we do to make this experience better for both you and the students' perspective. Uh, so we've done that. We've done that over the last, you know, 30 days. And as of two weeks ago, we decided to launch nationwide. Uh, so the app is available everywhere. Um, give it some time. What I would say is that it's a very new product that, you know, the idea of building a marketplace is that both sides of the pillars have to grow together, students and coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our idea is to prescriptively launch this in unique subset markets, meaning we want to take this to Phoenix, Scottsdale next. Uh, we have a relationship with a gentleman that owns three or four courses there to help us uh, with that lead into the market. And then from there, obviously, go to, mm-hmm. you know, Orlando area, Dallas, Austin, SoCal, Chicago, um, Vegas, all these other uh, premier areas. But the app itself was built, scaled nationwide. So we have venues loaded um, in every single uh, city in the U.S. with a plan to go globally uh, by the end of 2024, I think. Um, so at okay. any point right now, if you're outside of the Kansas City market and you want to request a listen, I'd say try it out. You know, and if, if you don't get a lot of coach responses uh, right off the bat, don't give up on it. You know, we're still a brand new product, and you know, us changing the way that lessons are handled and you know, improving the processes takes a little bit of time. So bear with us. You know, definitely. And I'll certainly um, you know reach out to a lot of the professionals. I have obviously um, a pretty good list from uh, across the U.S. And, and some even up in Canada and whatnot, but I'll certainly make this aware to from the coach's standpoint and uh, get them to certainly take a serious look at it and see if it's, uh, if yeah. it's right for them. But it uh, sounds like a great opportunity. So where can they go? What, what's the website that they can go to to get more information and certainly to, uh, to investigate things a little bit further? Yeah, absolutely. It's improvedgolf.com. So M-P-R-U-V golf.com. We'll take you straight to, you know, our business, our goals, our mission, our values, and then availability to download the app straight from the website. Um, so some cool things, too, for anybody listening who's thinking about building a business uh, as a coach. Um, we've got some unique tools coming in the next three, four weeks. 
that allow you to take videos of your students, draw, edit, make notes on it, send it through the app. Um, again, this is completely free. There's no subscription charge for this. The way that our program works is we essentially take a small management fee once the lesson is complete. So set your rate however you want it, whatever your rate is. The student books it. We'll make sure that we take the money from the student first through our partner Stripe, so that way you're not out any money. You can set unique cancellation policies to where if a student cancels within an hour that you're not completely out. Um, and then with that, we'll give you tools to manage your business. So the analytics as far as how many times you've bid versus how many times they've booked, so that way if you need to adjust pricing, you can, how many students engage with your uh, profile or videos. Um, just an entire way to manage your business completely free. It's a subset of a transaction fee that, that comes out of the total cost of the lesson. So, you know, uh, build your rates accordingly and get exposed to a marketplace of students to help grow the game. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic uh, model to have because, you know, again, um, there, there's so much opportunity here really for from both sides. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that and it was music to my ears that it's not a subscription model. Uh, I've seen that happen too many times. I know you can certainly yeah. uh, do that, and, 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 and it can be profitable. But uh, more often than not, with so much out there on the market right now, I think the way that you've approached this, I think, is right, is right on. I, I can see it uh, growing and developing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, I think it's so, smart. I think, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a smart way. Might, might, might not like to hear that, but we, it's not about the money, right? It is. Like, it is in general because we're business people, but it's more about growing the game to us. And Ann knows this. And that's the whole reason Ann came on yeah. to the company is because our whole well, idea I, is how do we grow it? Yeah. Yeah, I can tell you from uh, from personal experience, if you put out a great product, um, the money takes care of itself. If you're providing yeah. a great product or service, the money takes care of itself. If you focus solely on I understand how the bean counters and the investors, and if you're listening, by the way, I get, I get it. I've been on both sides. Um, but again, if you're putting out a sound, solid product or service, um, it, it's like wildfire. The word of mouth will get out there, and, and as long as you know everything is tight and whatever, which it sounds it is, um, you'll have no problem in, in recouping whatever investments have, have been put out. So, um, well, Mark and Ann, thank you very much. And again, it was a pleasure having you back on the show as well, and I appreciate your thoughts and input. And Mark, much continued success. Uh, in with uh, not only improved golf, but obviously improved sports uh, as it continues to develop. And uh, uh, feel free to reach out anytime. I'm more than happy to help any way that I can uh, and perpetuate. I think it's a great idea. Ted, thanks so much. We appreciate so the much. opportunity to come on and, and talk about what we're doing. That sounds good. You guys have a great weekend, and thank you for joining me tonight on, on uh, Golf Talk Live. All right, you as well. Thanks, everybody. All right, bye-bye. All right, that was uh, my special guest, uh, Mark uh, Lukenbro, uh, founder and CEO of Improve uh, Sports and Golf, and Ann Dow Do, who is the their head of coaching and community. Um, as I mentioned, she was a co-Evans Scholar uh, of the Year last year in 2022 and uh, went up through that program there and obviously has now become a part of their team. Uh, my apologies for any technical issues in the beginning. Uh, it appeared that uh, I had uh, somehow disconnected my mic, uh, so uh, you probably missed uh, a few minutes uh, of the initial introduction for the two of them, so my apologies to both them and to you. But uh, uh, most of the interview, uh, other than a few minutes uh, in the beginning, uh, will be in its entirety in the recorded version when you go back. So, again, thank you to uh, Mark and Ann Dow Doe. 
and also uh, John Hughes and Jamie Leno Zimron for joining me on the Coach's Corner panel earlier this evening. Uh, be sure to check out all of the shows. And as I mentioned, if you want to hear that interview with Ann, uh, she was on last season. If you go to blogtalkradio.com slash live and just scroll down to the on-demand section, and if you go into last season, I think it was towards the end of last season, if I'm not mistaken, that she was on um, when she was uh, uh, the co-Evan um, Scholar of the Year. There were two of them actually on the show at that particular time. But uh, you can hear more of her interview and a little bit more of her story if you want to do that. But go there, and there's all the uh, previously recorded shows are there, and tonight's will be there momentarily uh, after the show. But uh, on that note, thank you, everybody. God bless, and have a great week, and I will see you next week here on Golf Talk Live. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.